Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Five o'clock hour, the Burns and Gambo show here on Arizona Sports. First day of March Madness, and it has been a very typical crazy day for and, the first day of March Madness. And yes. if you're a Wildcat fan, it is the last day of March Madness. <laughs> the first, the and, first day and the last day. The if you're day. an Arizona Wildcat fan, yeah, in fact, Mitch, why don't you do me a favor? Why don't you? Well, let's do a little March Madness update here. Why don't you? Why don't you give me a little music? And let's talk about what happened in the first day. March Madness, day one, and it's a horrible day for U of A. And that was because U of A lost to Princeton. Princeton was the 15th seeded team in the South region, and they took down U of A 59 to 55. Princeton only shot 41% from the floor, only shot 16% from three. They were four of 25 from range. And they still pulled off the upset today, Gambo, despite all that. Can can you imagine you're you're, you're a U of A fan and you you work it all day. You're in an industry where you don't have access to social media or phones or anything like that. You get in your car, you're driving home, you just found out that they lost to Princeton. (laughs) Like, there are people out there literally finding out, like, right now. Not everybody knew two hours ago. Not everybody knew two hours ago. Some people are just, like, just getting in a car now, going home, and they find out that Arizona just lost to Princeton, a 15 seed. Crazy. The game was going on. It started at 1, 1 1.15. We were on the air for a lot of it, so this, you know, breakdown in terms of what happened and how it happened, but I can tell you, we were both watching it pretty closely down the stretch, and U of A was just all kinds of discombobulated out there, especially in their backcourt. Their their guard play was terrible. Kirk Creasa one for seven. He had three points. Courtney Ramey, four for ten. He had eight points. He was 0 of three from distance. U of A shot 42%. They were only three of 16 from three. Sabellis had 22. The next closest scorer had 13 in Omar Ballo. They were so dependent on their front court. They got nothing from their back court. And maybe more importantly than anything else, Gambo, the last three or four minutes of that game, it just looked like a lot of hero ball for U of A. A lot of guards trying to do it themselves. Themselves. A lot of selfish play out there. They were confused and seemed kind of lost and disoriented out there. Really frustrating effort for a team that, quite frankly, has been one of the best in the country all year long. They crazy. did not look at today at all. It was crazy, absolutely crazy. No. I mean, they were they were they were very they were a favorite to get at least to the Elite Eight. Everybody had them in the Sweet Sixteen. The bracket looked pretty good. I mean, you know, matchup against Missouri in the next round. I mean, I thought their bracket got them at least to the Elite Eight. Jay Billis had them winning it all. So did others. So, just a, a devastating loss. You know, for them, and um, you know they've got some kids. You know, they're going to lose some of these kids. They're going to lose, you know, some of these players. I mean, Tabellos is a junior. He may come out, you know, for the for the draft, and you know, Creases a junior, and um, a couple. I think they got a couple of seniors, but um, yeah, Creases is a junior. Maybe they get some guys back, but man, that that was a team that a lot of people like. That Pac-12 tournament champs. They had a really great season, yep. and all for naught. They go down in the first round. Yeah. Um, Arizona failure, yeah, total failure. Four it's a failure. Four forty-three to play. Arizona didn't score a single point the rest of the way out. Now, as far as upsets go, uh, it did not take long for somebody to update the Wikipedia page when it comes to NCAA Division One tournament upsets. This is added to the list of fifteens to beat a two. Gambo, it's happened three straight years now. Princeton beat Arizona this year. St. Peter's over Kentucky last year. Oral Roberts over Ohio State. The year before, of course, we've had Florida Gulf Coast taking down Georgetown, Middle Tennessee against Michigan State. Everybody remembers Richard.
Richmond against Syracuse back in the yep. early 90s. Santa Clara against Arizona back in 93. The only team to appear on the 15 over a 2 list twice is Arizona. They did it in 93. They did it 30 years later in 2023. Gotta yep. You gotta own that. They own it. <laughs> they, they gotta do. own it. That's you. They own it. Sean, Sean Mills like, I never lost to a 15 seed. <laughs> and that's in addition to losing as a 3 seed against Eastern Tennessee State back in 1992. And, is, that, and as a 4 to Buffalo. As a 4 to Buffalo. You know what? You're right. As a 4 to Buffalo in 2018. Yeah. And unfortunately, Arizona, they're all over this list when it comes to upsets in the yeah, how do you beat UC, tournament. How do you beat UCLA last week and then lose to Princeton now? Mm, makes no I, sense. Makes no sense. So that one's obviously... And for Princeton, you know, they're upset city. This is something they've done. I did get a kick out of this. Darren Ravel tweeted out that a better today at Caesar Sports... Oh, my God. Can you imagine this? You bet $150,000 on Arizona to beat Princeton. You do no it way. because you think it's a sure thing, right? E- an easy $12,000 coming your way. No way. Somebody today lost one hundred and fifty grand on Arizona trying to win an easy $12,000. Can you imagine? No, that's why I don't gamble. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't get $150,000 to win twelve grand. Can't even. Like, imagine. is it worth it? Oh, you, you assume it's I mean, free. I mean, I'm not a gambler, but it's like, is it worth it? You're, you're just assuming that's free money. You look at it and go, I mean, Arizona's going to win, right? I'm just going to make myself a free $12,000 until you lose 150 grand, and there's nothing free about it at all. I hope that guy's not, I hope that guy's not married. Not <laughs> you coming home tonight? How was your day, honey? Oh, uh, well, what do you mean? How was your day? We lost $150,000. You what? Yeah. John Wilner pointed out that the lead at one point today against Princeton, it ballooned to 4735 Wildcats were twenty-four yeah. to eight the rest of the way. Wow, that guy was spending his twelve thousand dollars <laughs> around the tournament today. Uh, the other big upset happened when Furman, a thirteenth seed, beat Virginia sixty-eight sixty-seven. Crazy play to end the game. Virginia kid just heaves the ball up instead of calling a timeout. Furman kid steals it, leads to a wide open three-pointer that they nail. And Virginia, despite a good look to try to win it at the end, they. Fall today as a four seed. They are out as well. It's one of the dumbest plays that you'll ever see in a college basketball game. He had a timeout. He gets trapped in the corner. They're up. He's they're up two. Go to the free throw line. Hit two free throws. The game's over. Hit one free throw. And you, you know then you could foul them before they shoot a three. Like the game's over. He just hoisted up in disbelief. He just threw the ball up. Furman's like, really? Okay, I'll take this. And then that kid, uh, J.P. Pagoose, hits the three-pointer. Furman wins the game. I mean, the the look of disbelief on the Virginia players, like, what did you just do? What did you do? What did you do? What did you just do? What did you do? Shame. Shame. Uh, It's the shame. Third time in the last four tournaments that Virginia has lost in the first round, each time to obviously a significantly worse-seeded team in the tournament. It It was Ohio last year. It was Obviously, when they were a one and they lost to a 16 back in 2018, and then this year to Furman. So, Virginia, Mo, you talk about a team that is having a problem with the NCAA tournament. It's either national championship or out in the first round for Virginia in the last yeah, half don't decade. Don't forget, when we were younger, Virginia had an unbelievable team led by Ralph Sampson that lost to Chaminade. Virginia's had some really bad losses. Yeah. That might be the worst. But, yeah, Virginia lost to Chaminade. 
Everything else in the tournament today so far has been chalk. Seven seed of Missouri beat Utah State. Top seed of Kansas over Howard. Arkansas over Illinois. That was an eight versus a nine. Fifth seed at San Diego State beat Charleston 63-57. A lot of people thought that was an upset in the making. Instead, San Diego State becomes the first Mountain West team to win a conference tournament game since 2018. Alabama wins. They advance easily. Games going on right now. Northwestern, a seven, is beating Boise State 32-24. 32-26, I'm sorry. That's a seven versus a ten. Texas is beating Colgate 24-17. That's a 2-15. Duke over Oral Roberts at the half by 17. Iowa is losing to Auburn by 10 with about 16 minutes to go in the second quarter. Is your bracket, is it trash? Is it gone? No, you not really. I mean, not really. I mean, I've got all of my Final Four teams, and I've got seven of my eight. I mean, I had Arizona go into the eight, um, so I did lose an Elite Eight team. But, I mean, I I had San Diego State win in. Um, I've had almost – I got the Virginia game wrong, the West Virginia game wrong, and the U of A game wrong. So I took three losses. Uh, but my, my – over. listen, you know how these things work. I mean, if you end up with all four Final Four teams, you got a really good chance to win the bracket. Yeah. I, I haven't lost a Final Four team yet. Yeah, no, I haven't lost a Final Four team. I haven't lost an Elite Eight team. I've lost two Sweet 16 teams. I've lost Arizona and Charleston. But my Elite Eight is intact. My Final Four is intact. So, so far, so good. I did call Furman, but I thought – Charleston was going to beat San Diego State. I got that one wrong. So. And I have San Diego State in the Sweet 16. Okay, so I actually and that could be good. Yeah, they got Furman in the next round. That could be yeah, a good one Furman for you when round. it's all yeah. said and done. Yeah. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, first let me remind you, you can text the word Valley to 62620. Become a Suns insider. Get all the latest and breaking news on the Suns and their quest for an NBA championship. Again, that's Valley to 62620. Now, on to the Suns. Take a look around after what happened last night and what could happen tonight. Is it time to worry about their place in the Western standings? That's next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. I know we're uh, all focused on March Madness. Today, the first day, the big upsets. U of A's out. Virginia's out. I know we're all focused on U of A's out? Yeah, U of A's out. Did you just hear the news? U of A's out. Your your favorite team of all time is out. They lost. Um, Did you see how many points the Denver Nuggets have given up at halftime to the Detroit Pistons? I did not. I have not. The Nuggets. Are you, are you recording this game, Mitch? Or are you just hiding because you're shamed? You, I don't want to hear what you, you're about to say. You, I don't know what it is. I just don't want to hear. Oh, you don't want to hear? Well, then cover your ears. Uh, cover your ears. The Pistons are beating the Nuggets right now 64-58 to at halftime. The Pistons scored wow. 64 on the Denver Nuggets. 64-58 to right now. What what if this slide is going to hurt Jokic for the MVP? Uh, that's a good question. Embiid's the new favorite. I checked on Fanduel. Is he? Is he? Embiid is the new favorite on Fanduel. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, the Nuggets. What is it? Four game losing streak right now. They've got a four and a half game. Right, Mitch. Four game losing streak. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the Nuggets can still win this game. They're only down six. It's sixty four fifty eight. But the Pistons are sixteen and fifty four. The Nuggets have the best record in the West, and you just gave up. Six 64 points to the Pistons? And I, I think that's I think the Pistons I think they're the worst team in the NBA, I aren't they? I believe you are correct. Let's see real quick just to make it's sure. Them the Rockets. Uh, them the Rockets. It is them. 
Oh, the is, Rockets won yesterday. Yeah, they're the two twenty nine winning percentage. The Detroit Pistons are the worst team in the NBA. Wow. They're wow. the worst team in the NBA, taking on the third best team in the NBA. In Y'all the are third, trying to get clickbait. Yes, we are trying to get clickbait. We're trying to piss you off, Mitch. Because are you recording the game? Is that why you didn't want to know? Oh, you just didn't want to know. Okay. And I bring this up, Gambo, as kind of a larger conversation about what's going on with the West and the Phoenix Suns' place within the West right now. Because right now, trying to figure out the Western Conference, who's who, who goes where, who do you want to play where do you want to get seated it, it's like there's like three weeks left in the season and it's feels really challenging right now to figure out who you are and where you want to be in the western conference if you're the phoenix suns I, right now the matchup is, is phoenix versus the clippers with phoenix having home court advantage that's your four or five your three six is memphis against golden state i don't think that the suns can catch Memphis or Sacramento. I don't believe they can catch either one. They both have 27 losses. That's a five, it's five, there's 13 games to play, and they're five down. I don't think that they can catch them. So I think you're looking at four, five, six. Right now, Golden State is six. But here's how, it's, here's how crazy it is, Bernsey. The Suns are fourth with 32 losses. The Clippers are fifth with 33. The Warriors are sixth with 34. Seventh is Minnesota with 35. Eighth is Dallas at 35. Ninth is Oklahoma City with 35. So the difference between four and nine is three games. Mm-hmm. Three games. So if this slide continues, I don't know where they could end up. I mean, I just don't know. Where. I don't know when Kevin Durant's coming back. I do expect that they're going to win games. I'm not I'm not that worried like they're going to lose this game tonight. Like They're going to win some games. I mean, they still have Devin Booker, and they've got Chris Paul, and they've got DeAndre Ayton, and like, they, you know, they're battle-tested. I think they're going to win games, but I, like, I don't think that they can win enough to move up in the standings, and I don't even know if they could do if they could win enough to stave off the Clippers and Golden State from passing them. I don't know. Last night, uh, there was a lot in the NBA last night, and there's a couple of games of interest tonight that will, in addition to the Nuggets. The big game last night was the Clippers and the Warriors, and the Clippers won that game. The Warriors are now 7-27 and on the road. Draymond Green, by the way, the NBA upheld his one-game suspension for reaching the the maximum technical fouls you're allowed to have. So he's got to sit a game now for Golden State. Um, but but the Clippers having won four games in a row, you said it earlier, you want no part of them. I want no part of them either. There really is a part of me that wouldn't mind at all to see the Suns slide down to six, as long as they stay out of seven, slide down to six, let L.A. and Golden State just beat each other up as the 4-5 matchup, and then as the Suns, as the sixth seed, you can take on Memphis or Sacramento. And, and look, that, part, that conversation is also partly disrespectful to Sacramento and Memphis. Memphis is going to get John Morant back. He's going to give them a list. A lift, I should say. Sacramento, I have been writing off Sacramento all year long, and at some point I'm going to have to come correct about that and acknowledge that maybe they're a team you don't want to play because they just keep winning. De'Aaron Fox keeps doing fourth-quarter things. Devonta Sabonis keeps racking up triple-doubles. At some point we have to acknowledge that maybe you, in fact, don't want to play the Sacramento Kings if you're the Suns. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I they look they, they they haven't been to the playoffs in 16 years. They don't have a battle tested team. But the Aaron Fox is the best clutch player in the game. It's not even close. They have statistics to back that up. They've got an award this year for the best clutch player. He's going to run away with it. Sabonis is a machine with the double doubles. And then you've got you know Harrison Barnes who's playing really well for them. Uh, you got Malik Monk who's playing well for them. They're very very well coached. So like you know. Th- 
they just don't have the, the playoff experience, but they've been healthy all year long, and that really counts for something. Like, you can't discredit that. I mean, they've been the healthiest team in the NBA. So that's a big factor as to why they are where they are in the standings. Yeah, it is. They win last night. They beat the Bulls on a clutch shot from De'Aaron Fox. Um, the Lakers, man, they missed a chance last night. They sat Anthony Davis. They didn't play him. He right. even tweeted out something like, hey, I want to play. The medical staff is telling me I can't on the second night of a back-to-back. They they thought they could sit Anthony Davis against the Rockets, and the Rockets beat him 114-100. That's put them in a precarious position as well. Um, the, the Mavs won last night. The Grizzlies lost. The Timberwolves lost. The West is tight. Now you got the Nuggets, and, and if if somebody in the West could take advantage of their slide, maybe their number one seed would be in some sort of jeopardy. I just don't know if anyone's going to do it. The West is just a mess right now. That could be Sacramento because, again, you beat the Bulls last night in overtime. They're probably the team. The Heat beat the Grizzlies easily. Easily beat the Grizzlies. But I think if anybody's going to catch Denver, I think it would be Sacramento. I mean, they're playing really well. So if that slide continues, the Lakers thing is really fascinating. And you're right. He did say that. He said, I wanted to play, but doctors in the organization ruled that I won't be able to play back-to-backs. It's tough because I want to be out there. So he's saying, I wanted to play. And and they're so dependent on him now because of LeBron's injury. So not having him, they lose to the, at the time, that was the worst team in the NBA and the Rockets, and they lose that game. And so now their, their place in the standings is, re- they're 10th. They're 10th right now. So they would play Oklahoma City. And if they win that game, then they'd have to play the loser of Dallas, Minnesota, just to get to the playoffs. That's not a spot that you want to be in with or without LeBron. And here's the other thing complicating the West, too. And I was just thinking about this. The Suns are not the only team in this position of needing one of their key players back, waiting for their key player to come back. Memphis is in the same boat. The Suns are in that boat. The Warriors are waiting on Andrew Wiggins. Minnesota Timberwolves are waiting on Carl Anthony Towns. The Dallas Mavericks are waiting on both Kyrie and Luka to come back. The Lakers are waiting on LeBron to come back. That's another thing that kind of leads to the overall shakiness of the West is that half of the teams that are in contention for these spots and that are competing for these spots are all waiting for a key guy to come back and and who's going to get their key guy back first? Who's going to adapt to him faster than the other guy? That's all part of what makes this thing so complicated, I think. Yeah, I think the, the the Golden State one is odd because that's not an injury, right, with Wiggins. He's got a personal reason. He left the team, and he's been away. The John Moran thing's not an injury either, right? So, like, LeBron's injured. KD's injured. Yeah. There are guys that are injured. And then you've got the Memphis and Golden State. That's not injuries. I mean, that's just, you know, John, John Moran being dumb and getting in trouble and being suspended, and, uh, and he's in counseling now. And then you've got the Golden State thing with Wiggins, who's been away from the – he's like, that's a big factor if Wiggins comes back for them. Yeah. But he's been away for personal reasons. Nobody knows exactly what it is, but again, not an injury. So when those guys come back, you know, they're healthy. They're healthy. Now for Memphis, it's Steven Adams and Clark's out. Adams is injured. Whether he comes back or not, I don't know. But getting John Morant back, like you said earlier, like that's a big lift for them. If they get him back, that could really help them because they've been playing pretty well without him. Yep. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, well, before I tell you what's coming up next, let me remind you that, of course, we've got the Burns and Gambo show podcast. 
You can subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android, and you will not miss our show. It's the Burns and Gambo Show. It's brought to you by Carol Royce, your home sold guaranteed realty. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. If it's not Will Anderson for the Cardinals, then who for the Cardinals in the draft? That's next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It's hard to believe that since free agency just started a few days ago, uh, and it's certainly not done, but obviously a lot of the big names are off the board, and we've probably gotten to that point now in free agency where a lot of the deals from here on out are going to be one-year deals or two-year deals. I saw that you know Orlando Brown got the big one from Cincinnati, but there's just not a lot of players left to give the big contracts to. Pretty soon, attention is going to shift to the NFL draft, and I think for a lot of us, Gambo, the attention has already shifted to the NFL draft for the Cardinals because of their relative inactivity in free agency and the fact that they are still in a position where they've got a lot of options for them at number three, which is why every time we see one of these mock drafts, we're always really curious to see, you know, what's the suggestion? Are they staying put? Are they moving down? Are they getting a King's ransom to do something? Or are they just staying put and taking Will Anderson? It's going to be really the top story over the next month when it comes to the Cardinals with what they do with the draft. I think once they got to about four and ten, I started focusing on the draft. I'm sorry. Say that again. I was distracted. I think I've been focusing on the draft. I've been focusing on the draft since like late November, early December. (laughs) I'm serious. Yeah. No, I know you have. Okay, but but uh, yes. But to be fair, ever since the Bears made that trade a week ago, I mean, yeah. like that that's really where it became like, okay, here we go. Now let's roll up our sleeves and let's talk about this because it just opened up all kinds of possibilities for the Cardinals at number three. But yeah, you're right. We've been thinking about the draft probably for three or four months around here. Yeah, and then the season gets over, you're like, you realize how close you want to be in Chicago. Like, I would have loved to have been in Chicago's place. I wish the Raiders would have beat the Cardinals in overtime in that second week of the season. Instead of the Cardinals winning, I wish Kyler Murray doesn't make that play. They lose. And you know, and then Aaron in that were that number one spot. They would that would they would have made that trade. Like they like no if ends or buts about it. If the Cardinals were number one, they would have made the same trade the Bears just made. Yeah, I keep thinking to myself, and I know I've brought this up a couple of times today. But if you're just tuning in, I keep thinking to myself that the Cardinals' inactivity so far in free agency, I, I just can't help but wonder if that's a, a clue into what they're going to do with the draft because they've got so many needs to fill, and it does seem like they're putting an emphasis more on the draft than they are in free agency because they just haven't done anything in free agency, and that makes me think and makes me wonder if trading number three for a bunch of draft picks is going to be their play. It it just feels like with what they've done in free agency so far that that is far more likely at this point than staying put and taking Will Anderson. I could be totally wrong. I might be completely misreading this, but by not filling a bunch of needs and holes in free agency, it's almost like you have to get as many picks as you can in the draft at this point. Yeah, I'm not totally against it, but man, you just got to get it right. Like you yep. better you better hope that Will Anderson doesn't turn out to be you know, Lawrence Taylor, or one of the great pass rushers in a game, because um, you know, now if you hit on a bunch of your picks, then you can say, okay, equal value. Like some, you know, we didn't get him, and he's great, but look what we got. You know, we ended up with five picks, and three of those guys were really good. And you know, so I think that that's important too. I mean, look at this point, it's quantity versus quality, right? With with the draft pick. 
Do you want the quality of the third pick, or do you want the quantity of having more chances to land players that you, with all the needs that the Cardinals have? It just depends on their assessment of how quality Will Anderson is. Fair. Yep, yep. exactly and, right. You're and, right, it does. And if his quality is so high that you're going to just be ridiculed and mocked for years to come by passing on him, then you, you don't do it because people are going to mock you, but you know what I mean. If, he, if he's so good and he's that much of a can't-miss guy, you got to stay put and take them and you just gotta you gotta say to hell with quantity we need to take quality here if you believe he's that good quality is usually the better play it's usually the better play you're going to be in a long rebuild. It's going to be a few years. Go get the best player you can get. But you're also, I mean, I'm sure that Monty Austinport's looking at the draft and saying, look, I moved down to seven. I'm going to get a good player. I'm going to get an extra second round pick. I'm going to get a good player there. I might get a future first. I'm going to, like, I'm going to turn those into good players. Like, he hasn't he messed up draft picks yet for the Arizona Cardinals. So we don't have any track record of failure, you know? So it's for him it might be it might be the the quantity over the quality but for the most part usually teams will tell you no you got to get the best player now maybe the cardinals aren't doing that anymore you know best player available type of thing and again like i've said a couple times like if they do trade down to 7 to 8 to 10 it, it is a lot of savings now i don't know if they'd be doing it for that but it is a quite a bit of savings because the number 3 pick when you look at the numbers signing bonus guaranteed money cap space the number 3 pick compared to you know, even 7, 8, 10, 12, 15, it's a big, big difference. Yeah, it, it sure is. And I, I hate to think that that's going to be the motivator in all of this. I, I, I hope 100% that it's all just football motivated and it's not dollar motivated with what they do in the draft. Let's get to the mocks because we both found one today and they both tell two different stories. You found a three-round mock draft on Pro Football Focus that not only has the Cardinals staying put and taking Will Anderson Jr. out of Alabama at number three, it also, because it's a three-rounder, it gives us four potential picks for the Cardinals. And I liked what you did with this one. You looked at not so much the player, but the position that they took. Edge rusher at number three in Will Anderson, a running back in Jameer Gibbs from Alabama in the second round, a corner in the third, a guard with their second pick in the third round. Um I don't know about taking a running back in the second round. I like the Can't idea of taking offensive linemen and cornerbacks. They certainly Can't need as many it. of those as they can get, right? Can't take a running back in the second round. I don't like it. Yeah, I mean, you just can't do it. You have James Conner. You drafted a kid last year, the Ingram kid out of USA. Second round is you, you got to get an impact player there and not a running back. You have a starting running back. You could get, you know, listen, you brought this up. You could go get a run. You need a running back next year. If Conner's gone, you could find one in the fifth round. I mean, go look at the running backs on uh, on the, the teams that were in the Super Bowl and where they came from. You know, you could find plenty of good running backs throughout the draft because running backs just don't have the same value anymore like they used to. So, I mean, there's just no way that they could take a running back with the 34th pick. That's such an early pick. You have to address an area of need, and running back's not an area of need. No, they've got him staying put and taking Will Anderson. We've got all of our draft profiles now here on Arizona Sports. Let's go ahead and play it for you, even though we all know how good he is. Here is Sarah Cazell telling us about Will Anderson. 
Will Anderson Jr., Edge, Alabama. Will Anderson, a beast, a monster, a machine. That's how the edge rusher was described while at Alabama. The two-time All-American finished his college career with 34 and a half sacks, 62 tackles for loss, and more than 200 quarterback pressures over three seasons. He is widely considered the best defensive player in this year's draft. Anderson makes game-changing plays in the run game and as a pass rusher, and with an intensity that will make Wolf proud. Scouts would like to see a more consistent motor all the way through the play, but they believe his athleticism and his will could lead to a Pro Bowl career. NFL comp, soon-to-be Hall of Famer, DeMarcus Ware. It is amazing how big of a decision Monty Austinfort has right out of the chute as the new general manager. Stay put, take Will Anderson, trade on potentially franchise-altering player, and get as many picks as you can. That's the choice he's got right out of the gates as general manager. It's one of the biggest decisions he'll make as Cardinals general manager, and he's got to make it the first three months on the job. And it's very likely that one of those decisions will be the correct one, and one of them will be the wrong yep. one. Yep, absolutely. Because it doesn't. It doesn't usually work out where there's winner winner. It doesn't usually work out that way. Nope. Um, if you trade the picks, and Simmons does not end up being a great player, and you get a lot of value with those picks, and you had good players, then you won. If if Simmons is great, and you just add players that are you know good players but not great, you lose. So it is a win-lose. It's very very unlikely, like 90% chance that somebody's going to win that trade and somebody's going to lose that trade. All right, now I found a mock draft today that presents kind of the other side of this coin, and it suggests the Arizona Cardinals would trade down. They've got them making a trade with the Raiders, uh, which is interesting on a couple of fronts. Number one, the Raiders are going to sign Jimmy Garoppolo, and some people thought maybe that took them out of moving up for a quarterback. This mock draft says no. They've got the Raiders moving up to the third pick and taking C.J. Stroud. It's Will Levis, number one. That's interesting. Bryce Young, number two. C.J. Stroud, number three. They got the Cardinals. What I hate about this mock is that it's not only does it have the Cardinals going to seven, um, it's got Will Anderson going to the Seahawks at number five. They've got quarterbacks going one, two, three, four, and then the Seahawks just sitting there getting Will Anderson. I hate that. Then they've got the Cardinals moving down to seven and taking Christian Gonzalez, the corner out of Oregon. They don't say what the Cardinals get to move down to seven. It would have to be a pretty good haul to move that far, but uh, I'm not a big fan of this mock draft at all. I don't like moving down to seven is fine. I don't like Will Anderson going to Seattle at number no, five. That, that kind of changes it, right? Moving down and that you're, you're one of your competitors. Competitors ends up with a great pass rusher. Like, yeah, that's instead of you can maybe that shouldn't be a factor, right? I, I always say be. like Monty's got to do whatever he thinks is best and not really worry about what Seattle's going to do behind him. He can't control that. What he can control is does he want Simmons or does he want to trade the pick? And if you know, I would imagine where they're at at three that they could still get. That somebody's going to want to trade up to three. I really do believe that. You know, our dream scenario is Indianapolis moves up one spot, you get an extra second, you move down a spot, and you still get Will Anderson. Like that's the dream scenario. If he could work that out, every everybody over there will be sky high because that's that's the dream scenario. If you trade past Seattle and you don't get Will Anderson, I mean, look if you trade if you trade down 
seven, eight, ten, wherever you're trading down to, you've got to know you're not getting Will Anderson. Oh, you yeah. got to know. Yeah. And you can't be worried about who gets him. Like, you know, you, you could have had him. You didn't. You can't worry about who's going to get him. And you can't not make the trade because of that. You can't be like, I was going to make the trade, but then I was worried about Seattle getting him. No, if you're going to make the trade, make the trade. Yeah. If Seattle gets him, they get him. You can't worry about that. You've got to do the best deal for you. Yeah. You know, you're not wrong. You can't worry about your other team. Still, just emotionally as a fan, I hate, sure. seeing, I hate seeing Will Anderson go to the Seahawks. No matter how much I might be a fan of the Cardinals moving down or no matter how much inventory they might get for moving down, I hate seeing this. We'll see. The, the, the mock draft does not tell us how much the Cardinals get to move down, and I would really like to know that stuff. When we come back here on the Burns and Gambo Show, should the Suns have tried harder to make things worth with Jake Crowder? Do they miss him right now? That's next. Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo, what's on tonight? All right, the games that we are going to watch tonight. We're going to watch the Suns take on the Orlando Magic tonight. That game starts at 7 o'clock. We have bonus Burns and Gambo. We'll be with you until 6.30. So we'll continue to talk about that game and preview it. Monty Williams talking about Kevin Durant. We'll bring you some of those comments a little bit later. Coyotes in action tonight, Gambo. They're taking on the Canucks. Got a big kick out of Bill Armstrong. Wondering if you were going to be in the building tonight wearing your Oliver Ekman Larson jersey. Is that not happening tonight? That guy's still in the league? I, I, I don't know. I thought he was out of, I thought he was out of the league. I thought, I, Bill, Bill we had our conversation with Bill today. And of course, we were talking with him about Josh Doan and, and other things. It's just out of left field. He wondered if you were coming tonight because you were going to be there to cheer oh on God. your favorite former Coyote, Oliver Ekman Larson. I really got a kick out of that. Worst ever. <laughs> I pushed him so, I, I pushed him so hard to make that trade. <laughs> That's probably why he was giving you crap about it, I would think. Oh, so hard. So um, hard. I mean, look, don't look now. We, we asked him about this, too. The Coyotes' home ice advantage they have at Mullen Arena, this is really becoming a thing. I mean, probably so much so that it might be messing up their plans of getting Connor Bedard, or at least trying to get Connor Bedard. They've been ridiculously good at home. They've won four straight at the Mullet Center, nine of their last 13 at home. Overall, they're 18 11 and three at this 4,500 seat arena on the campus of ASU. They is that could, crazy? They could not have anticipated being no. this good at home or, or this being that big of a deal. It has been a big deal for them. Well, to the point where, like you, you know, you you you, you were tanking for Bedard, and now you you know you look at the standings, and you know you're you got one, two, three, four, five, six teams that are worse than you. Six teams. So your odds now of getting that, that top pick are really slim. Really, really slim. Now, again, you, you, you want to build a you, – you don't want – a culture of losing sucks. So when you constantly lose, 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 it, it beats down the players. It beats down the coaches. It beats down the fans. It beats everybody down. So in, in, a, in a positive way, I mean, it is – you know, winning some games is actually a good thing because it, it helps the culture. You're trying to build a good culture, you know, where players want to want to be here and, you know, feel like the organization is committed to winning. Yeah, I got to imagine if you were being completely – Completely honest, it's a little too much winning right now for the Coyotes because it's just kind of worsening sure, their odds. Sure, when but it, it is comes what to it stuff. is. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean you're not going to. Yeah. Of course, players are going to go out there and play to win. I, I mean, management may want ping pong balls and losses and lottery tickets and things like that, but players are going to go out there and play to win. And the Coyotes clearly, even after the trade deadline where they you know gutted half the roster, man, they are they are still winning at home, and that's a credit to the players on the ice for what they're doing. Then, of course, March Madness is on tonight. Uh, the 
the first day, the first round. Two crazy big upsets. We'll talk about them coming up in the next segment. But Arizona's obviously already out in the first round. Virginia, a four seed, is out. The games that are on tonight in the tournament, um, you've got Auburn, Iowa. That one's coming down to the stretch. Duke, Oral Roberts, Colgate, Texas. And then later, it's number one seed Houston against Northern Kentucky. Tennessee taking on Louisiana. A lot of people think that could be an upset tonight. Penn State versus Texas A&M. And perhaps, probably, Gambo, the hope of the Pac-12, UCLA, as they're taking on 15th-seeded UNC Asheville tonight. The Pac-12 has not won a championship in men's basketball since Arizona did it back in the mid-'90s. And I guess if anyone's going to do it now, it's going to be UCLA with Arizona falling out of this thing. Yeah, I think it's going to be hard with one of their best players, you know, out for the season, um, lose one of their key defensive players. But I, I think that they've got a good bracket too. I like their side of the bracket. You know, they got up to, you know, I expect that they'll take on Gonzaga, you know, and the, uh, in the uh, round of 32, and then if they can get by them, then you're probably looking at a UConn, an Arkansas, or a Kansas. But I think UCLA is very capable of beating them. I had them in my Final Four. I mean, I watched them play. Well, yeah, I think they're really good. So I think I had it. Yeah, I do. I have them in my Final Four, and they are. They're the hope for the Pac-12, even though they're leaving the Pac-12 in a couple of years. They are the hope for the Pac-12, and it's been crazy that it's been that long since Lute Olson and Miles Simon and Bibby and and uh, Bennett Davidson. Those guys won a championship that this conference has been shut out for that many years. Is Insane. Yeah, no doubt. It is absolutely crazy. All right, Suns basketball, they're taking on the Orlando Magic tonight. And a really thoughtful, thought-provoking article from Dave King today on Bright Side of the Sun. And, I, and obviously with Jay Crowder making his first appearance at Footprint Center since the trade, his first appearance there all season. It, it, you know, Jay played well. He had 11 points. He had a couple big threes. He hit what many consider to be the dagger three in that game. And Dave, I I thought, pointed out something that we kind of talked about a little bit yesterday, too, that in many ways it is truly a shame the way it all worked out between the Cardinals or between the Suns and Jay Crowder. Because Jay Crowder right now would be the absolutely perfect compliment for when Kevin Durant is back. He does so many of the things that this team needs right now. It is too bad he's not here. Obviously, there's nothing you can do about it. It's a total hindsight thought, but it is too bad that he's not around because he would fit perfectly. You know, I've, I've, I've often thought of this. If everything would have worked out and they made the Durant trade, and you know, and, and they were happy with Jay, and Jay didn't want to leave. I mean, you know, then he doesn't end up. The Nets don't move him to Milwaukee for all those second round picks, and maybe the Net, maybe the Suns would have traded Mikhail and Cam and Dario to make the money work at that point, and and the draft picks, and you still might have had Jay. I mean, hindsight being twenty twenty, you just don't know how it would have played out. But you know, obviously the Nets were pretty smart. They knew they were going to take that Jay Crowder contract and then turn that into a bunch of second round picks and send them to Milwaukee. But you've strengthened Milwaukee. You know, you know, probably the best team in the NBA got stronger because they got a guy who's playoff tested and he's tough. He could rebound. He could he could defend multiple positions. He shoots the three. Good passer. You know, they ended up with a really good player. So you. The Suns ended up with Kevin Durant, but you know Milwaukee—they're happy with what they got in, in the trade that got them Jay Crowder. Yeah, more than one person has pointed out that Jay Crowder was on the floor when the Milwaukee Bucks were closing out the Phoenix Suns, and I suspect as the season goes on, you're going to see Jay Crowder, even though he's not a starter, you're going to see Jay Crowder out there on the floor with 
the Milwaukee Bucks a lot at the end of games. He might not be there at the beginning. He might be a role guy. But I think at the end, you're going to see a lot of Jay Crowder out there because, like, look, he was a mess the way it ended with him and Monty, and it was unfortunate all around. Jay Crowder, I'm glad to see he got the ovation that he did because Jay Crowder meant a lot to the turnaround around here. He played an important part, and he still has a lot to offer in moments like that. It's too bad. He is absolutely going to be missed by the Suns, even though they haven't had him all year long. This time of year especially, he's going to bring a lot to the Milwaukee Bucks. He's he's just too smart and too good at what he does to not. Isn't it true? So, I mean, so many players had a big hand in you know, getting them to where they are right now. And I think some of them you appreciate. Like I always say, you know, the Kelly Oubre and Ricky Rubio and uh, um, who's the big Australian center that uh, they had? Uh, Aaron Baines, Aaron Baines. Aaron Baines. Those guys all played a big role. Like those guys were all played a big role in just getting them to mediocrity. Now, nobody expected the Suns to take that jump from being mediocre to being in the NBA Finals, but they did. Usually, you know, there's more steps in along the way. They, they skipped some of those steps and went right to the NBA Finals. But, you know, they got rid of Oubre, they got rid of uh, Rubio, and they got rid of Baines, and those guys were all important to them. And then Jay came, and for two years he helped them. One year the NBA Finals, another year they had the best record in the NBA and set a franchise record, and now he's gone. Yeah, I, I look at his time here as a positive. I don't look at it as a negative. Yeah. And I like the fact, I really do like the fact that he didn't rip the team when he's had plenty of opportunities to. Like, he's had plenty of opportunities to kind of bash them. He didn't do it. Yeah, no, he w- he's taken the high road every single time. And every single time he's been asked about it, he's kind of said the same thing. He said, look, I was asked by the organization not to say anything bad, and I'm going to respect their wishes. I'm, I'm not going to say anything. I, I just, I enjoyed my time there. I appreciate the reception I got. Um, I, I enjoyed what we did for two years there. There and it's time to move on. And and that's the one thing about this. And, and I think maybe as Suns fans, we're also accustomed to, you know, Eric Bledsoe and the hair salon and Goran Dragic and his trade demand and, and Josh Jackson throwing up on New Year's after New Year's Eve on the floor and right. not showing up not showing up at event at an event. Yeah, all that stuff, right? Um uh slamming glass doors at the practice Robin facility. Lopez. Robin Lopez, the, the the Morris twins. I mean, we're so used to guys kind of being jerks on their way out the door that we almost all expected something like that from Jay and it just never happened. It never it never transpired that way. He didn't want to be here. They didn't want him to be here, but he always handled it above board and with class. And I always there was something to be said about that and the way he did that. And I, I do think the Suns are going to miss him. Now, I'll tell you, Monty, before the game today, was asked questions about um, apparently Kevin Durant was getting some shots up at the facility. Um, he was caught on video uh, by reporters who were there standing still, not doing any moves, not doing anything like that. Uh, Monty Williams said before the game today, quote, it's just part of his progression. He hasn't done anything outside of getting shots up today. They'll reevaluate tomorrow and go from there. That's what the process is right now. He didn't make it sound like there was any acceleration to the timeline for him to return. There are still lots of boxes that need to be checked. A lot of people People got excited seeing video of Kevin Durant shooting basketballs today at the facility. And Monty's saying, you know, that's just kind of part of the process. Nothing has changed in terms of the timeline at all for him. Yeah, and we asked James about that, too. And, uh, you know, no, no update on that, though. He kind of made it seem like, look, we're going to reevaluate him, like we said, in the three weeks. That's the time frame. And then it'll be up to him. If he's ready to play, he'll play. And if he's not ready to play, he won't play. 
Yep, and that's what that's what James said to us yesterday. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, a complete update on March Madness Day 1, including the upset of the tournament. We'll also talk a little ASU, because they are alive in advance and maybe even have a chance to move on further. That's all next on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bonus coverage on the Burns and Gambo show. We're with you until 6.30 here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hope you're having a good Thursday. We appreciate you joining us. Suns in the Orlando Magic tonight at 7 o'clock in a game that feels really weird to call it a must-win game. And while technically it's probably not, I also do not want to come in here tomorrow talking about the Suns losing to the Orlando Magic. That would feel very panicky. That would feel very concerning. That would look around the Western Conference and you'd start to wonder just how far the Suns are going to slide. So with all of that added up, I'm going to go ahead and call tonight's game a must-win for the Phoenix Suns. I, I think if they lose tonight's game, not that they're done, not that they're eliminated, it's not that kind of must-win game, but the alternative of them losing Gambo, I just don't want anything to do with that. I, I, I think we're going to start opening some cans tomorrow that we don't want to open if they lose to Orlando tonight. Yeah, I mean, you're going to be talking about a potential slide, and it's a four-game losing streak, and, you know, you like they don't have the margin for, like, the Denver Nuggets, right? You were talking about them. They were losing to Detroit. They're actually beating Detroit now. They came back. They they had margin for error. Like, they played poorly. They lost, what, three, four games in a row. But they had the margin for error. It, like, it's okay. They have time to get it figured out. The Suns don't have a lot of time to get this figured out. I mean, the difference between them and ninth place is three games. Three games between them and ninth place. So, I think Oklahoma City's winning big right now. I think they were up by, like, 17 the last I looked. So, if you lose this game, they gain a game on you. And that's, two like, then you two games. Ooh. So. Yeah, I think Oklahoma City was up big last I checked. They're losing right now. They're down by... What they? Uh, Oklahoma City? Are, are you yeah. talking about Sacramento or Oklahoma City? Oh, yeah, Sacramento. Sacramento's Sacramento. up big. Sacramento's up by 16. They're beating the Brooklyn ah, okay. Nets. I got um, that wrong. Oklahoma City is actually losing by four to the Toronto Raptors right now. So, uh, But yeah, Sacramento's up big. But I, I'll tell you, and we'll get to the NCAA March Madness update in a minute. Maybe... Something has finally happened to the Sacramento Kings on the injury front. On the injury front, Adrian Wojnarowski is reporting that Kings guard Kevin Herter injured his right hamstring tonight. He'll undergo an MRI tomorrow. Oh, okay. So now he's not one of their main two guys, but he's certainly one of their oh, top three or four them. guys. Yeah, he's a big deal. He's not De'Aaron oh, Fox, yeah. and he's yeah. not Demontis Sabonis. He's still kind of a very important part of what oh, they he, do. He's their best. He's their best shooter. I mean, he, sp- he spreads the floor for. Them them. I mean, he is a terrific guy. I would bet he's one of the best three-point shooters in the league. I would bet you're right. Uh, overall, I mean, he's a great three-point shooter. So not having heard of, that's a big, now, hamstring injury, three weeks, he should be back for the playoffs, but that, you know, that's the thing we've talked about with them. Like, they, their key has been health. Like, they've been healthy all year long. They haven't suffered any any real injuries. No, they haven't, and so if they start suffering them now, that's going to be some bad luck and bad timing on their standpoint. We'll see. Suns and the Magic tonight. We'll have a complete update on everything that's going on on the Western Conference tomorrow. Suns, I mean, I'll just tell you right now, if you look around the standings, the Suns, it's getting a little dicey. The the second seed, the third seed, seems a little out of reach at this point. They're five games back in the loss column from either the number two or the number
number three seed. And then things are getting real tight on the back end where they're only, you know, in the loss column, they're only one game better than the Clippers, who are at five. They're only two games better than the Warriors, who are at six. They're only three games better in the loss column than the seventh-seeded Timberwolves, the eighth-seeded Mavericks, and the ninth-seeded Oklahoma City Thunder. Things are getting very tight in the Western Conference. Yeah, and after Orlando plays the Suns, they play the Clippers. Yes. So, yeah, the Clippers, so that's that's Saturday. They got to go play the Clippers. Golden State's at Atlanta. That's a good news because they can't win on the road. Um, so you may, get a, you may get a break there. Eventually, they're going to win some road games, you would think. But they, the Golden State's on the road for a little. They got Memphis on the road. They've got uh, Dallas on the road. So they're in, they're in a stretch here where they're going to be on the road for, for a week or so. And I mentioned this earlier. I'll mention it again. If you look at the remaining schedule strength for every team in the NBA, the Suns right now are sitting with 13 games left. They have the seventh toughest remaining schedule by opponent win percentage. Everybody else in the West, and I mean, well, other than Denver, they're at 11. Everybody else significantly in the West is in the bottom half when it comes to strength of schedule of what's left. Sacramento, Golden State, the Clippers, Minnesota, Dallas, the Lakers, the Pelicans, Memphis, they're all in the bottom half when it comes to the strength of their remaining schedule. So the Suns, a little bit of an uphill battle on that one. All right, let's. They'll take care of business tonight. I think they will. Too. I, I think they'll take care of business. Uh, they, it's, it, they sh- I mean, Orlando's pesky, and they've got yeah, one of the best young players in the NBA. Young. They're tough, but I think they'll be okay. I do not want to come in here tomorrow talking about a Suns loss to the Magic. Yeah. That would feel very panicky. No. I Listen, don't. this is why Devin Booker's got a Supermax contract. Yes, this is why Devin Booker's getting paid supermax money because you you need to win it. You need to win a game here for the Suns. If you have to do it by yourself, then do it by yourself. Yeah, no doubt. All right, let's talk a little March Madness. Uh, let's first of all acknowledge what happened last night because it was really fun to watch. ASU obliterated Nevada, ninety eight seventy three, and by doing so, it's the most points ever scored in a first four game. It's the highest field goal percentage in the Bobby Hurley era. They shot sixty four percent last night. They hit eleven threes. They forced ten turnovers. In the first half, they were great. They were. It was the best game of the year that ASU had played. So the timing was perfect. Now they advance. They'll play TCU tomorrow at seven o'clock in the true first round of the tournament. Yeah, it is a. It, it was a big win for Bobby Hurley. It was a big win for the program to win that game the way they did. And I think they're peaking at the right time. Now, whether they can be TCU or not, I don't know. But I said this earlier in the show. I think that they two of the best games that they played this year have come in the last 10 days. The win against USC, they obliterated them. They, they blitzkrieged them. And then last night, what they did to Nevada, that game was over at halftime. They played so well. So they've had you know two of their last three games, I think, have maybe been their best all season. So they could be peaking at the right time, which is good news for them. First round of the tournament today, and the University of Arizona is out. It happened when we were live on the air. It was crazy to watch it. It was crazy to experience it. I joked on the air, Gambo. You're, you're working from home today. I'm here in the studio. We literally had people lined up outside our studio watching through our glass and the TV up here and the monitor on what was happening because they couldn't believe what was happening to U of A. They had 55 points on the scoreboard with about four and a half minutes to go in the game, they ended with 55 points. They didn't score a point in the last four and a half minutes of that game. It was a lot of hero ball. It was a lot of one-on-one play by the backcourt. And Princeton did just barely enough to beat them. A 15 over a two today. 
Uh, that's the most painful loss that Tommy Lloyd has suffered with the U of A. I mean, this guy is he's 61-12, and 12, and no loss hurt more than that one. Uh, to lose when you've got such high expectations to go deep in this tournament, and to be up by 12, to be up by 12. Boswell hits the jumper. They're up 47-35, but then sloppy. In, 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 if the, in that final stretch, they had six turnovers, and they made just three out of 14 field goals. Three out of 14. So, yeah, they held Princeton down. Princeton didn't shoot well. You mentioned 16% from three-point range. But the Wildcats have always been one of the best offensive teams in college basketball this year. One of the best. And, man, they, they failed them. Their offense failed them. They couldn't get points when they needed to. Yeah, no. Creesa, Henderson, and Ramey combined to make six of their 21 shots. They combined for 13 points as basically the starting backcourt, three guards, starting for, for you. Of a Tubelis had his twenty two, um, and like it, like you mentioned about Princeton, it's not like they shot lights out. They made four three pointers. They 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 went to the free throw line five times for the game. They shot forty one percent from the floor. Um, Arizona just and now Arizona becomes the only team. And granted, in some ways, this is not totally fair because the other one happened thirty years ago. But Arizona becomes the only team in the history of the NCAA tournament to lose twice. As a two seed, they've done it twice now. It happened in '93 when Santa Clara beat them as a 15 over a two, Steve Nash's team, and it happened 30 years later when Princeton beat Arizona today. They're the only team to go down twice as a two seed to a 15 seed. That is yeah. not something to be proud of. I kept thinking of Courtney Ramey because Courtney Ramey hit the big shot to beat UCLA on Saturday and win the Pac-12 tournament championship, and then he missed the shot that could have sent the game into overtime today. So he's the guy that takes the big shots, right? What a difference, right? Saturday, money, nails it. Beats UCLA today, misses it. They lose the game. That yeah. t- that three after he missed the three, Creasa missed the three. But Creasa missed everything he shot today. <laughs> uh, but you know, Courtney Ramey, man, he was the hero on Saturday and had a chance to be a hero again today and didn't get it done. Yeah, if you're looking at 15s over twos, this is it's crazy to think this is now the third straight year it's happened. I mean, it used to be uh, occasional every now and then, every couple of years you'd have a 15 beat a two. It's happened a. 11 times in the history of the first round of the NCAA tournament, but you're going now on back-to-back-to-back years where it's happened. Oral Roberts did it to Ohio State in 2021. St. Peter's did it last year to Kentucky. And they had a run. St. Peter's had a run. St. Peter's went all the way to the Elite Eight, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, they did. You're Uh, right. Oral Roberts reached the Sweet 16. I mean, but Oral Roberts, that was an overtime win against Ohio State. St. Peter's, that was an overtime win. Princeton is the only one to beat a two-seed in the last three years where they did it in regulation. They didn't even need overtime to do it. So just crazy that it happened that way. And, and yeah, I, I don't know if we can expect Princeton to go on a little bit of a run now, but it is crazy to think that both of those teams previously did go on a little bit of a run after defeating that number two seed. Maybe Princeton does it again. I don't know. It's fascinating that when you let a team like that hang around, how often you get you, you, it comes back to bite you. 
You know, when you let a team hang around like they did, you know, even though you got up by 12, right? I mean, they that, that, that was short-lived. They scored a couple of baskets and cut it down. But most of the game, they were they were just hanging around, hanging around, hanging around, and then they were able to pull it off and get the win. Shocking upset in the tournament with U of A going down. All right, a couple of other ones real quick today. Virginia, fourth seed. They lost to Furman. That one happened this morning. That was the big shock of the day until U of A lost. 68-67, crazy play to end the game. I imagine a lot of people have seen it by now, but if you haven't, Virginia player basically heaves the ball up to so nobody dumb. in particular. So dumb when they had a timeout. Furman guy picks it off. It leads to a wide open step back. Nothing but net three for Furman. Virginia got a good look at a game winner with a couple of seconds left, but they couldn't get it. And they lose 68-67. Everything else today has been pretty chalky. There, there haven't been a lot of other upsets. Close games, um, but no. I mean, like Auburn beat Iowa, but that's a 9 beat an eight, not that big of a deal in terms of upsets. Missouri won, Maryland won, Kansas won easily. Arkansas beat Illinois today by 10. Everything else, the only other one that came kind of close, Charleston gave San Diego State a little bit of a run, but the Aztecs won by six. You've got them in your Sweet 16, so you're probably happy to see that one. I am. Yeah, I got San Diego State. I had them beating Virginia, though, but I had them beating Charleston and beating Virginia, getting to the Sweet 16. And my family's brackets, I had U of A in the Elite Eight. So did Chelsea. And Quinton had Arizona in the final, the championship game. Ooh. He had Kansas versus Arizona. I feel okay. I had Arizona losing yeah. in the Sweet 16. I, 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 didn't, did, get, yeah, yeah. I didn't get killed. By, by, I lost Charleston's a Sweet 16 team. I lost them. Lost Arizona. They're a Sweet 16 team. My Elite Eight, completely intact. My final four completely intact, so it's not awful. It's not. It's awful. not terrible. Hanging in. There. No, you're good. Hanging you're good. There. You know, you you, you want to keep your your elite eight teams, and you I lost one of them, and you want to make sure you keep your final four teams as yep. far as you can go. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, Suns and the Orlando Magic will preview the game with Suns broadcaster John Bloom. He joins us from Footprint Center next on Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, bonus edition of the Burns and Gambo show today. Gambo working from home. He's actually a little under the weather, so we've sent Gambo home, home for the rest of the day. It's just me and my good friend from the Phoenix Suns, broadcaster John Bloom, joining us here on the Burns and Gambo show to preview tonight's Suns Orlando Magic game. Bloomer, um, how's your bracket, first and foremost? Let's just get that right out of the way. Well, well it's not perfect, I'll tell you that much, uh, but we were just discussing this. I've got the Hall of Famer, Al McCoy, Tim Kempton up here with me, and Brian DuBose, our engineer. We were talking about March Madness, and I said, you know, I have watched the least amount of college hoops in my life this year, I think. Like, and and it's, there's, there's a real reason why, and I think you probably know, uh, the teams that I support were both awful uh, by their standards. So that's a big reason. Uh, also, it's been busy. You know, Phoenix Suns basketball coincides with college basketball. It's tough to line up, the, you know, the timing all the time. And, you know, even if my teams were horrible and my wife's team was great, she would probably have Michigan basketball on, but they didn't make it either. So we got nothing going. Okay, so wait. Now, so remind the audience who your teams are. I well, know who they I are. I grew right? up cheering for Cal. Both my parents went to Cal, and uh, so I grew up learning how to lose. Uh, and then uh, my 
my, you know, my alma mater, Syracuse, was so bad that they made a guy who's been coaching since I was born at that school retire. So that's uh, that kind of tells the story. It has, about been, how... has been a bad year for you, Bloomer. It really has. It's not but my good. bracket is, I guess, you know, I have Purdue winning it all. I, I don't know why. I know, you know, Zach Eady is amazing. I'm personally, I'm rooting for the Drake Bulldogs. I think that's who I'm pulling for to win it all. Can you guess why? Love the Drake. Uh, no, the guy who went to Drake, who's their Hall of Fame broadcaster, sitting here with the Phoenix Suns. That's why. <laughs> he nods his head in approval. Yes. <laughs> I got a punch in the air for that. Yes. Yeah, so you got that boy, Al. Way to go. Go, Drake. Go, Drake. Um, I, I wanted you to bring up the Cal thing because I, I took a screenshot of a tweet that I saw a few days ago. And I, I was waiting for the right moment to pull this out. And I'm going to pull this out on you right now. The only six Power Five teams that either didn't make a bowl game or didn't earn a bid to the men's or women's basketball tournaments. Congratulations, Cal was one of the six. Yeah, that's uh, you know what? Uh, that's business as usual. Boston College, <laughs> Georgia Tech, Rutgers, Nebraska, and Vanderbilt all joined Cal as the only six Power Five teams that either didn't make a bowl or did not get into the men's or women's basketball tournaments. Okay, so, so you know, out of that grouping, I would say Vanderbilt and Cal are focusing on pumping out uh, Nobel Prize winners as opposed to football and basketball winners. Does I that would, make sense? I would say Boston College is probably oh, in the same boat. Yeah, tickling it. Yeah. I don't put them in the same class. I know, I know some smart people who came out of Boston College, too. So the Fair. other ones, I'm not really sure what the hell's going on with your program. You need to, you need Rutgers to, will take anybody. I mean, you get a library card, yeah. you get into Rutgers. I mean, Nebraska, for goodness sakes, you have a piece of paper that says you went to high school, they're letting you in. So you're fine. I'm just kidding. I'm just Oh, uh, we're just playing with you Scarlet Knights just and Cornhuskers kidding. and everybody else out there. Yeah, we're just having fun with you because today's a tough day for Wildcats and you, I know you know a lot of them. I know your partner, Gambo, is broken up over it so much so that he's leaving early and, and calling himself sick. Uh, and I know that tomorrow is an exciting day, not just for the Drake Bulldogs, uh, but also ASU and GCU. I mean, look, that's still hope here uh, with, with our state schools that uh, somebody can advance out of the weekend. At this point, I'd just be happy to take one school in the round of 32 from the state of Arizona. I never thought I'd be hoping for that after the first day of March Madness. If I can just get one of those guys in the round of that, it's going to take, you know, for GCU, it's going to take a borderline miracle. I I really like Gonzaga a lot this year. ASU, I think that's a very winnable game for them. They, They have to, they defend very, very well. They have to continue to shoot well, which has always been the struggle for this team this year for Bobby Hurley. But if they can shoot even kind of as well as they did last night. I think TCU is very beatable for them. We'll see. I, I hope it happens. Um, all right. Let's talk about tonight's game between the Suns and the Magic because you've obviously got pregame coverage coming up in about nine minutes from right now. The Suns, three-game losing streak, one of the toughest three and four nights you're going to get with the Kings and the Warriors and the Bucks. You'd like to think things ease up a little bit tonight. I'd say this Orlando Magic team, for being one of the worst teams in the NBA record-wise, man, they're feisty. They got a lot of young players you got to really respect and you got to really be careful of because they will bring it tonight, especially on the interior with what they've got. They will. And, and this is a team that, although, you know, player personnel wise does not resemble Phoenix Suns teams of the pre, you know, uh, Chris Paul, pre Monty Williams era, uh, the thing that they do resemble is it's a team that can go out and knock you off any given night uh, because there's enough skill level there and want to. Uh, but then they'll have nights like 
they did against the San Antonio Spurs where they didn't show up, they didn't bring their defense, and Jamal Mosley was talking about that before the game, their head coach, uh, you know, that it just hasn't been a level of consistency. But that's what you get when you're running a daycare center, which is what the Orlando Magic are doing right now. And we remember those days uh, here in the Valley. Now, their daycare center has a number one overall draft pick in Paolo Bancaro, who is the runaway winner of the Rookie of the Year. We didn't get to see him in Orlando, uh, and now we will get to see him. And I did get to see him down on the floor as he walked out for his warm-ups. And I'll be honest, I didn't expect him to be that big. He is LeBron-type big. Like, he has that body type. And there's not a lot of dudes that do. And then when you see him perform the way he does, that makes it even more impressive. You know what? It, it's I'm, I'm looking forward to watching the Suns win tonight, but I'm looking forward to watching. And is it, I always thought it was Banchero. Is it Banchero? It's I'm a gonna, hard cut. Yeah. It's a hard cut on yeah, that? Okay. You, you're, you, I mean, we're both professional talkers, but you're more professional at it than I am. So I'm going <laughs> to, I'm, I'm going to go with you, what you're saying the here. The thing anyone's ever said to me, Bernstein. When, when it comes to pronunciations, you're my guy. <laughs> I mean, you, you've been correcting me on Josh Akogi all season long. We still got to get your partner I, in I, on well, that. Well, you know, with him and pronunciations, that's always like driving on, on uh, black ice. So yes. I'm not counting on anything there. It's not even worth trying. But anymore, if you're yeah. telling me it's Pancaro, I'm going with Bancaro and not Panchero. So I, I'm, I'm trusting you on this one. Um, and I believe you. I, I think with Orlando, I'm looking forward to watching him play because I forgot that we didn't get to see him a couple of months ago. And, and admittedly, I haven't spent a lot of time watching Orlando Magic basketball this year. There just hasn't been that much of a reason to with them being in the East like that. That's a reason to really look forward to tonight's game. I forgot he did not play the first time they played a couple of months right, ago. Right, and they still gave the Suns everything they could handle and beat them, you know, handily. So I, I think uh, hopefully the Suns remember that and they come out focused tonight because if they don't, this could be a four-game losing streak we're talking about. And then I have a feeling there'll be a little bit more panic on the air tomorrow. Yeah, I'm, I'm very concerned. It's why I've, you know, I hesitate to call this one a must-win game tonight because technically it's not. I do not want to come in here tomorrow and take the pulse of everybody if they lose four games in a row and one of them's to Orlando. You know, that that just, to me, you're going to start to see, I think, a little bit of panic set in with the team because you look at the standings the way I do, Bloomer. Things are getting a little tight in the Western Conference with where the Suns are right now. Yeah, and you just don't want to even come close to having it be a conversation about the play-in. That you, just, you can't even consider being involved in that because could you imagine being sent home before even getting the first-round series? No, not with this group, uh, not the way they've assembled it. So uh, tonight's important. I agree with you. Yeah, um, Bloomer, you'll have the pregame coverage coming up in just about five minutes or so. We'll let you go so you get ready for that. Thanks for keeping us company for a few minutes. Have a good broadcast. We'll talk to you real soon, okay? All right, Bernsey. Thanks for having me, my man. Have a great weekend. You got it. That's John Bloom joining us here. You'll hear his voice coming up in just a few minutes. Suns and the Orlando Magic. Our pregame coverage begins in just about five minutes, and then the game itself starts at 7 o'clock. Let's update everybody on what's going on with the tournament, the games that are in progress right now. Texas is beating Colgate 66-57. Texas is a two-seed. Colgate is a 15-seed. About eight minutes to go in that game. Texas with a nine-point advantage right now. Northwestern, seven-seed. They're beating 10th-seeded Boise State by eight with about three and a half minutes to go in the game there, 64-56. Games coming up later tonight. Top-seed Houston taking on Northern Kentucky. That's a, obviously a one versus a 16. One that a lot of people think could be an upset.
upsets. 13th seeded Louisiana playing 4th seeded Tennessee. We'll see about that one. 10th seeded Penn State against 7th seeded Texas A&M. And then 2nd seeded UCLA taking on 15th seed UNC Asheville. That's all coming up later tonight. It's going to do it for us. We are out of here on this Thursday. We'll see you tomorrow straight up 2 o'clock here on the Burns and Gambo Show. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Oh.